Good evening, everybody. Are you edified? Built up? Well, tonight, because of the spring concert uh, uh, topic, we have a wonderful opportunity, don't we? To really examine the place of music and the arts in the, in the church. That was kind of the, uh, the topic that Tim gave me tonight. And uh, as he said, we are going to be in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. So turn there. Colossians 3, verse, verse 16. And what we want to do tonight is we want to examine really why we do what we do in the corporate singing of praises. Alright? I don't think that we realize the crucial nature enough that music and the arts plays in the corporate worship of our church here at Calvary. Uh, I think that the Lord impressed that upon me uh, these last uh, couple of weeks in, in my preparation. One pastor writes this, I am convinced that congregations learn more theology, good and bad, from the songs they sing than from many of the sermons they hear. Many sermons are doctrinally sound and contain a fair amount of biblical information, but they lack that necessary emotional content that gets hold of the listener's heart. Music, however, reaches the mind and the heart at the same time. It has power to touch and move the emotions. And for that reason, can become a wonderful tool in the hands of the Spirit or a terrible weapon in the hands of the adversary. Whether you agree with everything this pastor said or not, what I want to highlight is that music plays a critical role in shaping our thinking, does it not? With regards and our perspective to our Almighty God, diminishing or heightening our view of God in and through His Word. The words that we sang today, all of them, powerful theological words, doctrinal words, biblical words. That was, that was a Bible-saturated series of songs. Amen? Heightening your view of God. But if done sinfully, or done with not a whole lot of thought, then it can actually lower our view of God. So it's crucial that we look at this issue. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 says this, Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And let's read verse 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. And that is really the issue in the giving of thanks. Our hearts pouring out in thankfulness before Almighty God for what He has done. If there's a message in the book of Colossians, it is this. Christ is sufficient. Christ is everything. We do not need a, some higher knowledge. We do not need some secret knowledge. Christ is everything. We have Christ. We do not need aspects of Jewish legalism. We don't need some mystical experience, says Paul to, to the church at Colossae. We have Christ. And if you have Christ, you have it all. He is everything. And as new creatures, He begins to exhort us in chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So we have this union with Christ. We have been raised up with Christ, as Pastor Tim Carnes has been preaching about on Sunday mornings. 
We have this, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus to the glory of God the Father. And as new creatures then, we have a responsibility to live very differently. To think differently. Look at what he says in chapter 3 verse 5. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And he begins to exhort about putting off the old man and putting on the new. We are new creatures. We are born again. Chapter 3, verse 12. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And so Paul instructs us, in the light of what God has done in and through His Son Jesus Christ to the praise of His glory, live like who you are. You are identified and you are united to Christ. Live differently. Set apart. In verse 14, we are exhorted to put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Verse 15, we are exhorted to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. We dealt with that this morning, didn't we? Christ is the peacemaker. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving what? Thanks through Him to God the Father. So as new men and women, if you are a believer tonight, you are called to live so differently. And one of the exhortations to you and I is this in verse 16, that we let the Word of Christ richly dwell within us and allow the Spirit of God in and through His Word to express beautiful, wonderful, edifying realities in our lives. So I want to make two observations tonight, alright? We have a brief, brief time tonight in the Word, but I want to do this. Two observations from this verse to help us put into perspective the place of music and the arts here at Calvary Bible Church. I want to personalize this to us. Two observations from verse 16. The first one is this. I want you to notice the permeating influence that the Word of God is to have, not only in our individual lives, but corporately when we come together. The Word of God is to permeate, to control, to dominate every aspect of our thinking. God's Word is the central dominating influence in our lives. Notice how we're commanded in verse 16. Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. The issue here of richly dwelling within you is to abundantly live in you, to fully habitate someone, to take a permanent residence, to find a home in your heart. I've traveled a lot, and no matter what hotel line I stayed at, it was never home. No matter how nice the hotel was, it wasn't home sweet home. I wanted to go home ASAP. All right? That's the idea here. Is the Word of God richly, abundantly dwelling in you? Has it taken its permanent residence in your life? The idea here is that rather than a superficial, passive approach to God's Word, we should have a deep, penetrating contemplation of, of, of the Word and the Word of God. 
so that it changes our thinking. It controls the way we think. It influences and shapes the way that we live. It governs the, uh, the decisions that we make. It has implications for everything that we do in life. Our attitudes, our actions, our words, our decisions. And how does that happen? How is the Word of God to be the dominating force? Certainly by reading it, right? Meditating upon the Word of God. Memorizing the Word of God. Because it reveals the glory of God and of Christ Jesus. Amen? It's a love letter to us. As one of our pastors has many times said, the Bible is God's love letter to us. So we meditate upon it. We deeply think about it. It is interesting. I read recently a, a, um, uh, a survey that was conducted. And I want you to see this. I'm not going to go through all the top 10 books in the last 50 years. What are, what are the top 10 books in the last 50 years that people read? And I'm just going to start with number 6. Maybe you can guess this. Number 6, 57 million copies of the Da Vinci Code have been printed and read. 57 million of them. Number 5, The Acclimist. I've never read that. 65 million copies printed and sold of The Acclimist. Number 4, The Lord of the Rings. Some of you kids are like, yeah, Lord of the Rings. 103 million copies printed and sold. Makes it the number four most read book. Number three, Harry Potter. Harry Potter, 400 million copies. Number two, quotations from Chairman Mao Tse-tung. I have no idea who that guy is. Okay? <laughs> 820 million copies printed and sold. Number two in the last 50 years, most read book. And coming in number one, with 3,900 million copies approximately printed and sold. Guess what? What book that is? The Bible. That's right, the Bible. If that is true, listen, if that is true then we should have a whole different world today. The problem is not in the availability of Bibles, i.e. the Word of God. The problem is that people don't allow it to richly dwell within them. That's the issue. And that's the problem in our hearts as well, isn't it? To allow it to take permanent residence. Now notice that Paul calls it the Word of Christ. Why does he do that? I think he does that because in the book of Colossians, Colossians emphasizes the sufficiency of Christ's person and work. Specifically. I think that's why he calls it the Word of Christ here. But also that Christ really is the central focus of the Word of God of the big picture. In the Old Testament, pointing to Christ, right? Everything pointing to the One that would come, the Messiah. Jesus Himself said in Luke chapter 24, verses 25-27, to and verses 44-48, to He began to explain to them the Scriptures concerning Himself to His disciples. Moses, the Law, the Prophets... He began to talk to them about the fact that everything pointed to Him. That's why He calls it the Word of Christ. Because Jesus, Christ is a supreme person and Christ's work was the ultimate expression of God's mercy and grace to us. What a beautiful deliverer and hope and mediator and high priest we have. Amen? He is our King. 
He is our almighty God in human flesh. Now, the message concerning Christ then, the Word of God is to be at the center of all of worship. We know, if I were to ask you to raise up your hand, what is worship? Is all, is all that worship is singing and praises? Singing songs? We know that. Life is worship. Worship has to do with all of life, the way that we live in privately and publicly. But the singing of praises is certainly included in that in an amazing way, in more ways than we really think about. You and I are to be like sponges, right? Taking in the Word of God, that when somebody squeezes us, what we what comes out is the water of the Word. And as it pertains to the singing of praises, the Word of God is the ultimate, the supreme regulator of everything that we do, including the writing and the composing and the singing of corporate praises. It is to be everything. It is to be the center of our mutual and corporate activity. Now, I want you to see a parallel thought here is Ephesians 5.18. Many of you are familiar with that verse that says, Ephesians 5.18, And do not get drunk with wine, but be filled, continually filled with the Spirit. That is the idea of submitting, yielding to the Spirit's leading in our lives. And what happens when, that, when, the Spirit, when we're submitting ourselves to the Spirit's leading in our lives in obedience? There will be practical, visible expressions in our lives. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, says that passage in Ephesians 5. Singing and making melody with our hearts to the Lord. Always giving thanks. Being subject to one another in the fear of Christ. When the Spirit of God, you're submitting yourself to the Spirit's leading, those activities happen and they're visible. And they're exuberant. And they're joyful. See? Same idea here in chapter 3, verse 16. When the Word of Christ richly dwells within us, then what's going to happen is the activities that, t- that follow in this verse. These activities here are what's going to permeate our church body individually and corporately when we gather together. So not only are we, do we see the permeating influence here of the Word of God, but secondly, I want you to see this the practical expression of the Word of God in the life of the believer. Not only in your life individually, but corporately when we gather together. Practical expressions. That if we are allowing the Word of Christ to be the dominant force in our lives, what is going to be evident among us? What is going to happen? First of all, I want you to see, the first practical expression is this. There will be mutual edification taking place. There will be mutual edification. He says, let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. As you delve into God's Word and you read it and you meditate upon it and you think about it deeply in your life and you begin to grow in the knowledge of Christ and what God has done in and through His Son, you begin to grow in your understanding and then what happens? You begin to look at life and seek to make wise decisions. Wisdom is knowledge properly applied, right? In a way that, that where we are taking what we know into making God-honoring decisions. That is wisdom. Knowledge, truth, rightly applied to our lives so that we are making God-honoring decisions. So we grow in wisdom, and in that, notice what we do. We teach and admonish one another continually. 
Teaching is basically the positive presentation of truth, communicating truth. We are instructing one another. You think that it's only the pastor's job or the elders or the teachers in the church to be teaching and admonishing you? No way. That is your job as a believer. To be mutually edifying others, teaching them as you grow in the knowledge of God's Word. As you grow in wisdom, you're able to teach and admonish one another, to warn one another. When others are tempted to stray, you come and you admonish them. There is this mutual edifying taking place. These are results of being Word-filled, of being saturated with the Word of God. We are to continually practice them with all wisdom toward one another. Not just pastors and elders and leaders. Every believer is to be doing that. Word-filled believers are to be speaking and teaching and sharing the Word of God. Comforting and exhorting and rebuking one another, beloved. See that? As As an expression of being saturated with the Word of God. That is to be you and that is to be me. Mutual edification for one another. And what is the goal? Christ-likeness, which is the whole point of Colossians. Sufficiency of Christ, not only to save you, but to conform you into His image. So the goal in our mutual edification of one another is Christ-likeness. That new men and women might reflect Christ. So flowing from lives that are whose dominating force and influence in your life is the Word of God, we then reflect that with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. But I want you to see the second thing here. One of the ways that we are able with all wisdom to teach and admonish one another, and Tim Adams mentioned this earlier and alluded to this, one of the ways that we teach and admonish one another is through the singing of praises to Almighty God. And he said it. The goal and the desire of the music ministry here at Calvary Bible Church is to teach you the attributes and the character of Almighty God. Amen? So that your view of God rises high and transcends your circumstances and your afflictions and your trials, and that you are able, because of that high view of God, to live well under your suffering. See that? So we mutually edify one another, and secondly, we devote ourselves to corporate exaltation. That is another expression. Corporate exaltation takes place in our lives. Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another. And here it is, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. What a beautiful manifestation here of what it looks like to be Word-saturated. That we are mutually edifying one another and that there is a singing of praises taking place here. Now I want you to see this. There are three categories here. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Alright? And none of these, I don't think the point is that they are cut and dry, distinct. But certainly there are, they're, they're overlapping in nature. They're directed at God, but there are distinguishing qualities about these particular categories here. Psalms, was generally referred to in the Greek world as a song sung, listen, to the plucking of the strings of an instrument, such as a harp. So in the Psalms, for instance, we have things like, and you can write these down as I read them, but Psalm 33. Psalm 33. Strong, powerful words exalting the character and the attributes of God, but accompanied with music. 
Skillful playing. Psalm 33, verse 1. Sing for joy in the Lord, O righteous ones. Praise is becoming to the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Sing praises to Him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to Him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy, for the word of the Lord is upright, and all His work is done in faithfulness. Strong content? Yes? Amen. Beautiful instruments accompanying that, those, that strong content. See that? Psalm 98. Let me read that to you. Psalm 98, verse 4. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth and sing for joy and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Shout joyfully before the King, the Lord. Powerful words exalting the greatness of Yahweh, Almighty God but accompanied by beautiful instrumentation. See that? We saw some of that tonight. Beautiful melody. Beautiful work put in by our pastor Tim Adams. Using those who minister to us the Word of God through song to compose beautiful melodies. Psalm 100 Verse 1, Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. And His faithfulness to all generations. You know what that emphasizes? Exuberance and joy and thanksgiving in our song unto our Almighty God with beautiful melodies and instrumentation. See that? We edify one another. We build up one another. When we come together, the aim first and foremost, and we're directing our praise and worship at Almighty God. And in the process, in that, secondarily, we are building up one another. Psalm 144. This exuberance. Verse 9, I will sing a new song to you, O God. Upon a harp of ten strings, I will sing praises to you. So the point is that Psalms, drenched with content, exalting Almighty God, are also accompanied by beautiful melodies and the playing of instruments. Hymns, secondly, is only used here in Ephesians 5.18. And it was used in the Greek world, listen, of a song of praise to a pagan god. So there were even those historians who would even write about the fact that Christians in that time, first century, would sing songs to their God. Would sing hymnos, hymns to their God. As if this Jesus was a God. Kind of funny, huh? So in the Greek world, hymns were directed at the pagan gods. For us, we take that and we direct all of our singing to our almighty Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, right? He is the one that we direct our hymns to. And then thirdly, spiritual songs is basically, in the secular world, just refer to all kinds of songs. Broad and general categories. So what do we take away from these? One is this, that the content should be biblically saturated of our singing. Word saturated, revealing the character and the attributes of Almighty God in the songs that we sing, that they extol the perfections of God, His attributes, His characteristics. Secondly, 
We are commanded, another takeaway, to use a variety of instrumentation. Right? We can read many more verses in the Psalms and all over Scripture about instrumentation being used to praise God, to make a joyful noise. Right, Ruth? Is Ruth here? To make a joyful noise. Instrumentation is to be used, but skillfully. Amen? And thirdly, our singing is to be celebratory and joyful. So many people think that our singing just needs to be solemn and serious, right? And I recognize that that joy can't be can't be a, a, we can't explain it just by what's externally seen. Amen. Joyful joy is this deep seated confidence in our Almighty God that expresses itself outwardly, beloved. Why is it that we so many times sing so solemnly and so seriously? Where is the gratefulness in our hearts? Where is the joy? Read the Psalms and meditate upon what we are instructed to do and how we are instructed to sing unto Almighty God. That there is to be exuberance and thanksgiving. Celebrating the person and the work of Christ with joy and energy and passion. Amen? That is what we are to be about. If you are not a grateful believer here tonight, then this is not important to you. You're not seeing it. But if you are so consumed and so amazed by the mercy and the grace of God and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, you will sing with joy and you will see it in your face. Amen? No matter what circumstances in life you're going through, it is not dictated by your circumstances and by your afflictions, physical, emotional, whatever they may be. He is worthy to be praised. Always worthy to be praised. Always. So as you are, are you, if you are saturated with God's Word, if you are thankful, sing to Him. Sing to Him a new song. When we come corporately together, sing to Him with exuberance and excitement. For many of us, that looks different. Right? We're not trying to paint a picture here of cookie-cut Christians that everybody looks the same when we're singing. That's not what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is that we need to be so grateful and so consumed with the glory of God that it's going to show in the way that we sing unto Him, whether it's silently or loudly, that it should be with exuberance and thanksgiving. You want to express yourself to Him because He's worthy. Now notice, lastly here, how is this singing of praises to be done? He says, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. It is to be done, this singing with thanks, thankfulness, literally giving of grace. God has done His transforming work in your heart, and you are to be giving thanks, literally giving of grace to Almighty God. Blessing. This is the motivation Gratefulness and love to our Almighty God. And notice, in your hearts. That is to be the source of where our singing is to come from. Singing praises is a means of communicating outwardly, should be what is going on in your heart inwardly. See? What Paul is getting at here is is that your heart should be consistent with your profession. What you are, what's coming out of your mouth. It should be done with integrity, sincere, deep, confident expression of the heart that agrees with what your mouth is saying. 
If you are not consciously thinking about God in your heart as we are singing, then you have not worshipped in song. Did you hear that? God is the one that we direct our praise to. We think about Him. We think about the powerful words that are up here. And we sing them unto Him with all of our hearts. Not thinking about what we're going to eat tonight. Right? Not thinking about the problems that we have. But bringing those under the sovereignty of God and still singing to Him because He's worthy to be praised no matter what's going on in life. Amen? Amen. And it's to be directed at Him. He is the audience. We need to be thinking about Him when we're worshiping. Some of you men, think about it. Remember your wedding day? The ceremony, your wedding day? What happened? The, you're standing in the front with the reverend and maybe your best man, okay? And all of a sudden, you're waiting for someone to come in. Who? The bride, right? The bride's getting ready to come in. The piano starts playing. And all of a sudden, you see those two doors, double doors in the back opening up, right? And what were you doing in the front? Right before the bride comes in, man, look at the color of this carpet in this church chapel. <laughs> Woo! Man! Oh my, oh my goodness, this is a great structure. We really picked a good building here. We, whoa! This is a great building, right? Or, hey, I didn't know you were, I didn't know you were going to come. Thanks for coming, man. Yes! Is that what was going on? What was going on? Your focus and your energy, you were fixed on her. Amen? She was all... You were, you were worshiping her beauty. That's what you were doing. Why? Why do we focus on other things and we fix our attention on other things when it's time to sing praises to Almighty God? Why do we do that? He is the ultimate, ultimate glorious God. And so many times, too many times, our attention is completely away from the main person. Right? Completely away. And I hear our pastor Tim Adams getting up on a Sunday morning and encouraging us and exhorting us, trying to direct our hearts, and we still don't focus upon our Almighty God. See? We are to fix our eyes completely upon Him. And we are not the audience. We need to get our... Our, stop being influenced by our, our entertainment-driven culture. Right? Where we come and we become spectators rather than participants. You know what I'm talking about. We begin to, uh, to think that somehow this show is for us. Oh, you guys really blessed my heart today. Thank you for putting on the show for us. Right? It wasn't for us primarily. It was for Almighty God. Right? And we are blessed by the ministry of others. Sure, we are built up, but it was directed at Him. So what place does music and the arts have in the church? A crucial place. An amazing place. We have the wonderful opportunity to have saturated songs. The composing and the writing and the playing of wonderful praises so that God is exalted. We see the beauty of God's perfections and the creativity of God's redeemed people. We see His beauty manifested in the way that our brothers and sisters are able to play and sing the way that they do. 
We give glory to God for the work that He's doing in their hearts and lives. And it is the deep expression of our heart, our sincere, our emotions that are coming from a sincere heart of thankfulness, exuberance, celebrating God's amazing grace in Christ Jesus. See? That's why we come together. That's why we come together. So working backwards, we sing these songs, we admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in our hearts to our God. And this is going to happen when we allow the Word of God to dwell in us richly, abundantly. That it has its home in our hearts. That's why Sunday mornings there is sharing, there is preaching, there is a singing of praises, there is a shepherding moment. All of that is worship together. See? And all of it is compatible with one another. And we walk away encouraged and edified to the glory of God. Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to Almighty God. Let's pray together, okay? Father, we thank You so much. We thank You for Your grace and Your mercy. In our Lord Jesus, you have displayed your wonder, Lord, in and through your redeeming work. And we thank you, Lord. And Father, our praises and our voices and our playing of instruments are just a small token of what we give back to you, Lord. You deserve all the praise and all the glory and all the honor, Father. May you continue to do that today and tomorrow and the rest of this week to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.